What's going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein, ready to bring everybody another episode of The Bird's Eye View, ready to give everybody the bird's eye view on all things sports. We have an awesome episode coming up, even though there's not much football to talk about. Plenty of great games in college basketball this past week. Plenty of great games coming up this weekend. And I'm excited to announce I'm going to be joined by a very special guest, Eric Hubs of Barstool Sports, talking Yankees with him and a little bit of Packers. Can't wait for this interview and to have him on. Before we get into the interview, I just want to talk some college basketball, recapping this week's games. We'll start off with one of the best games I watched this week in West Virginia versus Texas Tech. It was an unbelievable game. West Virginia, they kind of dominated most of the first half, getting up by as much as 10. Uh, and then all of a sudden, in the second half, it was a completely different story. Mac McClung completely took over for Texas Tech. He's like he couldn't miss anything, just completely caught fire. Mac McClung is definitely one of the more fun, definitely one of the more fun players to watch in the country. I've enjoyed watching this Texas Tech team, and man, it was just. Just just an awesome story. In the end, West Virginia pulled away because Miles McBride was the one taking over. You know, Mac McClung gets all the headline, but Miles McBride is also one of the best players in the Big 12. I talked about him a couple weeks ago after they beat Oklahoma State. And the final minute of this game was wild. First, you know, West, West Virginia's down three. McBride hits a big three to tie the game. And all of a sudden, what, is, what, what does Texas Tech, Tech do? Comes right back down the court. Mac McClung hits a three. They take the lead right back, Texas Tech. And then West Virginia comes back down the court, doesn't take a three, but Tash Sherman hits a bucket to make it a one-point game. Uh, Texas Tech doesn't score on their next possession. And then West Virginia with Miles McBride gets a bucket for the go-ahead lead with six seconds left. And then Texas Tech going down the court, Mac McClung gets a decent look for Texas Tech. Unfortunately for them, the shot didn't go in, and Texas Tech lost this game, but hey, it was a very entertaining game to watch, and it just shows how big, how great this Big 12 is. It is a complete dogfight out there, and honestly, if it wasn't for Baylor, I'd say that all these teams are title contenders, but it seems like Baylor's the main, main contender in this conference. Uh, Kentucky versus Alabama. I actually went on Barstool Radio this week, so a little bit of a Barstool week for me having hubs on and going on Barstool Radio. Uh, I told the listeners, Alabama minus six against Kentucky, and sure enough, it was the right play. Uh, Kentucky did play Bama close for most of the game, I'll say that, but when they needed it most, the Crimson Tide got the buckets they needed. They went on a run very late in the game to close it out after being down five, and, the, and in the end, they came away a winner. You know, it, you had to sweat this game out for sure, but in the end, they won and covered. Uh, look, I know I've given some of the listeners here not the best picks, but when I go on public radio, I got to give winners, and that's what I did. Uh, Oklahoma-Texas, this was another great game. Texas was without three key players, and it showed, and you know, early on, you could tell the, guy, the guys missing were hurting Texas as Oklahoma was really controlling this game early on. They were never dominating Texas, but they were always in control of this game, winning the game throughout. Uh, Austin Reeves was huge for this team, and honestly, like his shooting, his shooting wasn't consistent throughout the game. But he hit the big shots when it mattered, uh, quiet any Texas Longhorns runs, and he hit the free throws for this team. It was a tough loss for the Longhorns, and they want to shock a smart for this Kentucky game due to him testing positive for COVID. Is it a trap game? I'll talk about that at the end of this segment. 
And the last great game was Ohio State-Penn State. This game was very, very scary for me. Uh, early on, it looked like we were going to dominate Penn State and get an easy victory. But then, all of a sudden, you know, Penn State came back into it. Early on, we had, Penn State couldn't stop Zed Key, which they really couldn't the entire game. He went 5-5 five five for 11 points. But then Penn State slowly, slowly chipped away at our lead going into the second half, going into halftime. And right before halftime, they got two very easy steals and lanes. Very sloppy turnovers for Ohio State to go from going to halftime up eight, possibly ten points, to just going up four points. And the turnovers were a theme for this game, especially in the second half. Uh, those first 12 minutes were absolutely miserable. It was turnover after turnover for the Buckeyes. Whether it was a travel, whether it was just a bad inside pass, they just could not hold on to the ball. And it was already with, already with eight minutes left in the game, Ohio State was at a season high with turnovers. Not to mention you had Penn State hitting their threes at a decent percentage, while we were not hitting our threes. Uh, we were not able to stop Seth Lundy. He was hitting everything for this Penn State team. It was absolutely ridiculous. And it was a very frustrating second half. You know, it's a 71-64 game. We have both Kyle Young and C.J. Walker are in foul trouble. But Kyle Young has to come back in because we're playing very poorly without him. And then, you know, obviously, you know, it seems that we're in trouble because they're going to have to attack Kyle Young. And Kyle Young might play softer on defense because he doesn't want to foul out. Uh, well, I was wrong because from then on, the defense was just fantastic the rest of the way. The Buckeyes stepped up. They only allowed eight points the rest of the game in the final eight minutes, including just two made field goals. Closing out the game, doing what they needed to do, despite both C.J. Walker and uh, Kyle Young eventually fouling out. But yeah, we were just, we, the thing is, we were just played by the turnover issues. It was like, and like I said, it was a season high in turnovers. Uh, they, they shot 52%. Penn State shot 44%. You would think a, with shooting splits like that, it would not be that close. But the 17 turnovers really allowed Penn State back into it. And Penn State took advantage of these turnovers, scoring 23 points off of them. Ohio State just had two points off of turnovers, so we were not getting some of the easy looks Penn State was getting. It's just a tough hill to overcome. And not to mention, Dwayne Washington's poor shooting for the second straight game. I mean... You know, he, had, he hits the big three to take a 77-76 to 76 lead late in the game. But when we're up one with under 30 seconds left to play, pass the ball, instead he holds on to it, gets a god-awful look, and it's just a terrible, terrible shot, which could have damn near cost us this game. But at least as usual, when we needed a bucket, EJ Ledeau was there to step up. It was his third 20-point game in the last four games. He gets better every game for us. It's been monumental for the success for this team. I love E.J. Liddell. And also big for us was Justice Swang. He hit some big shots when he needed him to. But he also was big on the defensive end. Actually, you guys remember Evan, who came on before the season to preview the Washington football team. You know, obviously, like me, he's a big Buckeye fan. And he was, you know, being critical of Justin Swang's defense. Well, clearly, he must have heard the criticism because he responded with two blocks and five steals, a key reason why Ohio State won this game. Uh, just other things to note, you had Drake basketball. They're still undefeated against the spread. They beat Missouri State back-to-back -back days. Tuesday, they, had an unde they, they came back from 15 down at the half, and they had a close win last night. There was an emphatic slam at the end of the game to put Missouri State away. Uh, Baylor slaughtered Kentucky by 48 points, 107-59. to At one point, it was 25-4. to I mean, Baylor was just that good, and Kansas State is just that bad. It's a mix of both. We're going to do who is hot and who is hot.
excuse me, who is hot and who is not. We're going to start off, who is hot? The Florida State Seminoles. They're 5-0 since they've returned from COVID. Nearly all double-digit wins for them. The depth of this team was incredible. They don't have that one superstar, but they just have 8, 9, 10 guys who can play. It's very similar to Ohio State, the way they play team basketball. You know, a lot of people were th thought of them as a sleeper last year to make a run, and this year they appear even better despite the losses of Patrick Williams and Devin Vassell. And look, the ACC's had a down year, no doubt. But FSU, they're legit, and even though the ACC's been down, you have to take them as a serious title contender. I'm going to stick with the ACC and say UNC is one of the hotter teams. You know, they sat at 5-4, and four and people thought UNC might not be a 20 team and could be a lot like last season's team. Since then, they've won 6 out of 7 games, and they figure it out. Uh, obviously, the opponents have been, a lot, have been pretty easy, some of the bottom of the ACC teams. So, you know, it's obviously... We want to see how they stack up against the Virginias, against Florida State. Well, we saw them lose to Florida State against Clemson, a game that got canceled. But one player that's been huge for them has been Armando Baycott. He's been great for this team. He's scoring, he's rebounding, he's providing, providing inside presence for UNC, which they predicate themselves on. He's shooting 65%. And look, the last four games, UNC has scored 75 points. So the offense is playing a lot more efficient basketball and... They, they appear to be all the way back and in contention for a championship. At least an ACC championship, excuse me. And I talked about them a little bit ago, but Oklahoma, they won four games in a row. They had murders over TCU and Kansas State, which you would expect to not very good teams. But then they just beat Kansas. They go into Austin and beat Texas on the road. You know, those teams were 9-5 and five respectively at the time. Oh, Oklahoma, went to, they were a fringe team just a couple weeks ago, a team that you know, might make the last four in, and now it seems like that they're secured in the tournament. Uh, you know, Reeves gets a lot of the attention, but you have to start looking at Davion Harmon. He's flying under the radar. He's averaging 18 and a quarter points per game on 55% shooting. Uh, who is not hot? Featured on the hot category just a couple weeks ago, you have the Louisville Cardinals. They've lost three out of four, and it's simple. They just can't shoot. Last night, they shot 31.6% versus Clemson, 20.8% from three. Somehow still almost won that game. Honestly, loser of this game was going to be in the not category. If Clemson lost, I'd be talking about them. Against Florida State, you sh they shot 25%. Against Miami, keep in mind Miami, who I believe just has one or two wins in ACC play, 15%. How do you have the confidence to take more than 15 threes a game when you're shooting this poorly? I don't get it. Another non-hot team from the Pac-12, Arizona State. They've lost five games in a row, getting swept by Arizona. And this Monday night game, you know, the final score was only by 13 points. Not as close as it indicates. It was 40-18 to 18 at the half. At one point, Arizona was up by a ton early on. Arizona, just, Arizona State just couldn't score. And it's a damn shame because I was high on this team. You know, they had Alonzo Verge Jr. and, of course, All-American, pre, a preseason All-American, Remy Martin, I thought this team was going to be one of the best teams in the Pac-12 this season, and here they are. They're in last place, they're 4-8 with just one conference win. Things have gone off the rails for this Arizona State team. And the last not-hot team, I'm going to say, is Tennessee. Yeah, they won last night against Mississippi State, but Mississippi State, they just lost 4 out of 5. Tennessee was at home, they barely hung on. The previous two games before that, they were blown out by Florida and handily beat by Missouri. 
Look, I've not been sold on this team all year just because like, I'm not sold on any SEC team, really. And this is – so because of last night's struck hard, hard, hard-earned victory, I'm putting them in not hot. And I'm going to look ahead to some of the games this weekend. Tonight we have Rutgers versus Michigan State. Uh, I kind of like Michigan State to win that game. It feels like this might be the time where Tom Izzo begins to pick it up. So I like Michigan State in this game. Big game tomorrow with Illinois versus Iowa. The two Big Ten favorites coming into the season. Uh, I like Illinois in the upset, to be honest. I don't know what it is. And we have great conference matchups on Saturday. In the ACC, you have Duke. They're trying to get a big win versus Clemson. And I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to stun Clemson. I, you know, In Cameron, it'll help. Virginia versus Virginia Tech. Give me Virginia in that game. Moving on to the Big East, we have a rematch of last week's great Villanova versus Seton Hall game. I like Villanova to win that game, especially now that they've got them back in the rhythm being back from COVID. Uh, Big Ten, we have Wisconsin traveling to Penn State. Although I think Penn State will give them a game, I like Wisconsin to win that game on the road. Penn State plays a very fast game, while Wisconsin likes to control the pace of the game, which they will do against Penn State. And we have Minnesota traveling to Mackey Arena to play Purdue. Although Purdue just took a tough loss in Mackey Arena in Michigan, it's still one of the toughest places to play, and for that reason, I like Purdue in this game. Then there's the Big 12 versus SEC Challenge. We have two of the hottest offenses in college basketball in Oklahoma and Alabama. Give me Alabama in that game. They are playing some of the best basketball in the country right now. LSU versus Texas Tech. Give me Texas Tech in that game. Mack McClellan is going to come out determined to win this game. LSU just lost. LSU is coming off that Kentucky loss. Barely beat Texas a and I like Texas Tech in this game. Missouri is hosting upset-minded TCU. I can see TCU pulling off the upset, especially considering the opponents they played versus who Missouri's played. But I think Missouri being at home and with how well they played this season, they have the win here. West Virginia versus Florida. Give me West Virginia and Bob Huggins, boys. Baylor versus Auburn. Well, it'll be fun to see Sharif Cooper versus one of the best teams in the country. Baylor's too good. They're going to win this game. If Oklahoma State versus Arkansas. If Cade Cunningham plays, I like Oklahoma State. If not, I think I might like Arkansas. Two teams recently featured in Not Hot. Kansas versus Tennessee meet. I like Kansas in this game. I don't think Bill Self is going to let his team lose four games in a row. Absolutely not. Uh, the last game of this, of this is we have Kentucky, who is upset-minded, trying to beat Texas without Shaka Smart. And I'm picking Kentucky to pull off the upset here versus Texas and finally get a big non-conference victory. That's really it for college basketball today. It is now time for my interview with Hubs. He now is host of the Short Porch, Yankee Superfan, Eric Hubs. Hubs, how are we doing today? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, I'm really glad to have you on. Uh, one of the biggest interviews I've had on so far, so really excited. Almost as excited as I am about the Yankees offseason. Obviously, it started slow for us, but it picked up uh, really starting last week. So I just want to get your thoughts on the moves. Obviously, you know, we're all happy DJ's back. I know you're a big DJ fan. I'm a DJ fan. But I want to get your thoughts more on uh, Taylor, or however you say his last name, and Kluber. Because, like, their ceilings are incredibly high, don't get me wrong. But obviously, there is injury history with the two of them. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think a month ago, everyone was terrified that, like, nothing was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, they, Cashman's woke up and, you know, just had to be patient, but patience is 
probably my worst quality. I don't have patience. So <laughs> it was not fun to, to just sit around, twiddle our fingers, and hope that DJ didn't sign with Toronto or whatever. Good they got him on a good number. I like the years. I like the, the average annual. Six for nine is a great deal for what he brings to the table. I think he's going to age pretty well into his 30s, uh, late 30s, the way he plays the game, contact hitter. Um, just a guy who just knows how to get the, the bat on a baseball, which not a lot of people do on this team. Uh, they just like to swing for the fences. He's so consistent and just like brings that other side of it um, that he's just so master. So I was ecstatic he was back. Um, and yeah, for a little bit, Jordan Montgomery was like your number two or three pitcher mm-hmm. on this team. And it's like, I love Jordan Montgomery. And I, I've been a big, big advocate of his. And I think, I think you can mainly throw out most of his 2020 because he was literally just coming back from Tommy John. And then he had to start and stop with the pandemic and all that. And towards the end of the year, he looked pretty good. And his last game against the Rays in game yeah. four, he looked very good. Um, so there's hope with him. But he's not a number two, three right now. He's a four or five. Um, but but for a while, he was the two, which was very concerning. Then they go out and get Kluber, which is a guy I wanted from the get-go of this offseason. The ultimate buy low, um, uh, you know, uh, low risk, high reward type mm-hmm. deal. Um, and they, you know, they get him for 11 million, which is kind of a little bit more than I thought they would. But I have no quarrels with it. Uh, but I, I'm a big fan of Kluber. Um, injury plague last two years, but he's two years removed from a 20-game season, 20, 20 win uh, season. So I, I'm ecstatic about it. You know, he's worked at Cressy uh, with his rehab. He's worked with Matt Blake in the past. I love love to sit in a room with him and Garrett Cole just talking. Mm-hmm. It would probably be awesome. It's also going to be really good on the young guys like Schmidt, King, Montgomery, uh, Davy. You know, so I, I he's going to just be awesome. I, I, love, I don't know where exactly he's going to fit and what he's going to look like, but all reports are that he looks pretty damn good. So, you know, if he's your number two pitcher and he's pitching like it, and then Sevy's back in the summer, and then now you obviously had uh, tie-in um, via the trade, and I didn't really have a problem with any of the guys they gave up. Agreed. Um, like, none of I'm tired of prospect hugging, and those certainly aren't guys that I'm going to lose sleep over at all. Guys ranked in the 20s and, you know, the teens or whatever in the system, you know, I'm not going to flinch at that. I would have flinched that maybe Luis Medina was in the deal. He wasn't. Uh, that's a guy that's just going to be electric when he comes up. He throws so hard, and he's been so effective so far in the winter league and the, and the minor league. So I'm excited about him. But, yeah, they didn't give him up, which is great. Um, but, yeah, I think Ty and just a dude who, when he's healthy, and obviously he's had two Tommy Johns, he's had cancer. So it's like mm-hmm. rough go of things. But when he's pitched, it's been really good. You know, he's never it's never like he hasn't lived up to the hype. He's been pretty damn good. When he's healthy, he just has to be healthy, and they, he thinks maybe you know. I think he shortened his uh, his release and all that uh, to the plate, and he thinks that's going to help his elbow too. And he's going to rely on more four seamers. So I think he's he's going to be a really good spot. And obviously, him and Cole working together, they used to be roommates um, down in uh, I think spring training for Pittsburgh when they were back in the day. So uh, I think that's an A plus move. And I said on the podcast, I think it could end up could end up going down um, as one of the best trades Cashman's ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with, I don't think they gave up anything, and the potential for tie-in if he gets if he stays healthy is really, really, really huge. Like a true number two pitcher, number three pitcher for this team. We're not giving up much, and you got team control with him too. So I was all bored with that. Um, then you're obviously trading Ottavino, uh, which kind of was the next move. Everyone kind of predicted if they were going to do anything else this offseason, they had to dump his contract, and you could tell Cashman was literally willing to do that with anybody. Um, if he's going to do it with the Red Sox. Um, just kind of a weird win-win trade because mm-hmm. the Sox essentially bought this prospect, Frank German, um, 
who I think was like the number 24 for the Yankees. Throws hard, but he's number 24. Obviously, again, not really going to fret over losing these types of guys. They go get a reliever. Sure, I think it's not going to close them. It's not going to help a whole lot. They'll probably try and flip them at the deadline because they're not concerned about winning anymore. Yeah. Um, and then the Yankees get rid of the $8 million that was tied to him, uh, and that allows them to kind of play a little bit more in the offseason, and that gets you Darren O'Day uh, yesterday for this um, absolute steal of a deal. Granted, he's 38 years old, but still very effective. You know, only 16 innings last year, but I think had like a 1-1 ERA. Um, really funky delivery, obviously. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and just a guy that I'm tired of facing when we play the Orioles and they have like a yep. lead and they bring him in. It's like, well, here comes three strikeouts from Judge, Gary, and Stan. You know, it's like these guys have no chance against this righty. So, righty's he's just very hard to hit as a right-handed hitter. Um, so, good to have him on the team. Very excited for that, um, especially the number they got him at. Um, I think it's like one-something for the first year, and then there's another option for the second year, like a dual option. So, all aboard there. And that leaves you probably with two more moves which I guess would be bringing back Brett Gardner um, on some kind of three to $4 million deal as your fourth outfielder. It seems like that's going to happen. I really don't care if it happens. I'm pretty tired of him. I'm tired of, like, Clint being down for two weeks with something, comes back, and all of a sudden, Gardy had a hot streak. And one week, he's got to be the guy for the next two months. It's like how it goes every year. I'm just really sick and tired of it, and I just want Clint Frazier to be the everyday left fielder like he deserves it, and how he's, how he's won the team over with that. So, and he finally got his, his – role last year hopefully that just continues i just don't want i just want guard if guard is going to be a true out fourth outfielder all about it but it just don't it just never works out like that he's a streaky hitter when he's hot he's hot um and then that leaves you with probably one other move for another reliever um which i would want alex Colomay. he's that, pitched for the mm-hmm. white Sox last two years a big alex Colomay guy he's just just a really good pitcher from the um, tampa bay system also so like you know yeah, that he's also good 100 percent pitches has pitched in the a at least before mm-hmm. um Another name people throw in is Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, down there. Whatever works. Whatever, mm-hmm. Just get me one more guy. Agreed. Um, and obviously, if there's a Amir Gowder out there, you'd probably have to attach a decent prospect to go get him. But salary-wise, it would work. Um, and then there's obviously Josh Hader, which costs a whole lot more than just one good prospect. But I would be interested in that because Josh Hader changes your whole bullpen and makes it a really, really, really dangerous bullpen. And potentially a Chapman really continues on this decline that he's been on. Um you know, he could just slide in there as a closer. You be, you leave Britain as the aide or whatever, and you have chat and roll around. That's just if they get hater, though. I don't think they will. Um, but they've quietly had themselves a really good offseason, um, and I'm very excited for this season to kick off. Sorry, that was a lot. Just, I was just running through every single person they've gotten so far. No, nah, you're good. Uh, I actually, I do. I actually, I like the trade you proposed for Hater on the short porch. I honestly feel if we're gonna get Hater, I won't take credit for that. That was Randy Miller from NJ.com. I think I said that on the podcast, but yeah, it was the trade that I brought up. Yeah, yeah, I would be fine with that trade. Like, I enjoy the Super Bowl pens, especially with this rotation. You know, for me, the best part about Kluber was I'll, I'm with the Ohio State, so a lot of my friends are Indians fans, so they're all salty about it. So it's definitely fun to rub that in their face. Uh, also, rubbing the last two playoff series between them in their face. Uh, Jameson Tyon, uh, obviously, you know, the Pirates, any pitcher they trade does well, so I like so I yeah. like that move. Yep, if uh, the Pirates want to trade you somebody, you do it. Because mm-hmm. odds are they have no idea what they're doing, and they're just going to give away a guy who's going to be awesome. Exactly. That's just how I live, live my baseball life. The Pirates <laughs> want to do a trade, they're making the wrong decision, you're making the right decision. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like you said with Darren O'Day, I like the move. It's a cheap signing. Yeah, he's 38, but... I can't. Remember, I don't remember the last submarine pitcher the Yankees have had, so I'm gonna like watching that yeah, delivery. It's like Mike Myers, I want to say, would mm-hmm. be it. Probably Mike Myers, and like you know, it wasn't for that long, and 
I mean, Tommaso Marte had like a, you know, he was wow. a true sidearm guy. He mm-hmm. wasn't submarine, but he was like a true just drop his elbow and through side. You know, Adovino to an extent, but never like yeah. get below like a sidearm or whatever. O'Day throws like literally like three quarters, like true like under, you know, so yeah, he's going to be fun as hell to watch. Exactly, and like you said, I want Colome. Obviously, you know, pitch for the Rays, comes from where they know, had a Rays good pitching, so I really want him. And with Gardner, I'd like him for the right price. You know, he brings clubhouse leadership, but yeah, I agree. You know, Clint misses two weeks, Gardner hits 290 during that stretch with three home runs, and all of a sudden he's the everyday left fielder. I do. I just think we need another left-handed bat off the bench, especially with the only with with Hicks being really the only non-traditional righty in our lineup. Yeah, I hear that. And people have thrown around like Jock Peterson and whatever. Mm-hmm. Probably would cost more than the Yankees want. Um, but yeah, he would be nice. Uh, but I, yeah, if, if he's coming to just be a true fourth outfielder who's not going to play every day or come close to it, you know, he'll pinch run or whatever and come in for defense if he has to. And you know, he's there as an injury worry or uh, injury insurance. Okay. And then to me, that costs two to three million dollars. Agreed. You know, like that's not. Like, I don't want him back for $10 million or, like, whatever they have left to spend. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if, if you're going to just sell me on a fourth outfielder, play some good defense, be a left-handed bat off the bench with some speed, yeah, Gardner could be back. But I always just get worried of the alternative of when he gets hot. I don't like that. So, uh, go, going back on your point about Montgomery, uh, it's actually funny. One of my friends has even said that uh, I think Jordan Montgomery is the future of the back end of the Yankees rotation. I think we agree that he'll probably start the season as the four. I'm interested to see who you think would be will be our five. I think Herman, if he can get back to that 2019 form, has the advantage, but he also has to prove that he's a changed man because obviously Davey and Schmidt are going to be pushing for that last spot as well, and possibly Mike King. Yeah, they sneaky now with the additions of Kluber and Tyon, like they have some depth, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, because there's always injuries, anyways. So always going to be a few injuries, especially when you bring it on guys who legitimately haven't pitched in the last two years, mm-hmm. and Kluber and him, and then Severino's coming back. And hopefully there's no setbacks, you know. But you know, it's just injury history riddled all through this rotation. Um, so it's nice to have the young guys of Debbie, Clark, Domingo, all that. Personally, like, I could tell Domingo Herman see you later, and I wouldn't blink twice about it. Like, I don't know. He's just that whole situation was weird. Um, on top of that, I don't even know how he's like. He hasn't pitched well in the Dominican, um, so I don't know if I'm relying on him to do anything. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna rely on him for anything, if it's gonna be the fifth spot in the rotation, okay, I can deal with that. Um, but anything higher than that, like I feel like I'd just be uncomfortable with Domingo doing that. Um, I'm a giant Clark Schmidt guy. I always have been. Um, he didn't really get his fair shot last year coming out of the pen in kind of that fourth spot. We were mm-hmm. talking a couple weeks ago about it. It was just it was messed up. But the guy puts a lot of work in. He's super talented. Um, and I, I would love to see him get that fifth spot. Obviously, Davey uh, pitched last year very well. Um, so we'll see if that can continue. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few guys for sure um, who – who have a chance to take that fifth spot. And, you know, it's hopefully it's just a true spring training competition. Best man wins, gets it to him, you know? Yeah. So I'd, be, I'd be totally okay with that. Yeah, I'd be fine with that, too. As long as he's even remotely in 2019. If it's winter ball, Domingo, get out of here. So, uh, moving on to you as a Yankee fan. Uh, what would, There's always been a lot of great moments. We're best franchise in all the sports. But what would you say is your favorite moment that you've witnessed as a fan? Haven't been too many, like, crazy game like i haven't mm-hmm. been to like uh oh, i just like mean even A-Rod, like even on tv an a-rod 500 home run or any of that like i haven't like but uh you know i've been to some cool walk-offs there was a cool walk-off a couple weeks couple years ago um against the Sox when the Sox were really crumbling um and uh, i was there with carabas and uh i think 
it was the eighth inning, and Kimbrell gave up a triple to Gardner, and then Judge hit one to dead center off of the Mohean Sun uh, bar or whatever that like was just a true like line drive homer in the stadium. Like they went from losing to winning in like a matter of minutes, and it was just like the stadium was crazy. Um, and so that was cool. That was cool to be there for. I was there for Judge's almost like five hundred foot home run against the Orioles. That like oh. I had a pretty good pretty good view of it, where I was on the second level on the third base side, so like I could literally see the ball just like continually rising. And I've never seen a ball hit like that before in my life, and it just cleared the bleachers. That was like pretty surreal. Yeah, I've been in my I, for whatever reason. Me and my dad would always go to. Uh, we'd end up at Hideki Mets, so we like walk off Homer games, and it'd be kind of funny. Be like, he'd always try and beat traffic, but we never we never leave early. But like, if we got a sense a walk off was coming, we'd get up our seats and we'd walk down the concourse to where we where like kind of near where our, our car was going to be parked, and we'd we'd exit out that way. So like, if Matsu was coming up, we'd start walking in a tie game the ninth inning. And almost every single time he would come through and just either hit a walk-off homer or walk-off hit or whatever, just guaranteed. And then I'd look, I'd be celebrating, I'd look, and my dad's already running down uh, the concourse to go to the car to beat the traffic because we lived in Jersey, so it was yeah, quite a far me car, too. Quite a, quite a far uh, car ride home at that point, um, especially late. But yeah, a lot of Matsui walk-offs, um, the, uh, the uh, Aaron Judge homer, that Kimball uh, implosion, those were all fun. Um, Gardner's Grand Slam against the Red Sox a couple years ago. I was there. That's awesome. Uh, there's a cool. I think there's a, one of the Getty pictures, or whatever. It has me in the background, like celebrating, which is cool. While Jared's very sad. So um, yeah, <laughs> none of those. Nothing like crazy though. Where like you know, like Jeter's three thousand or any of that shit. But um, some cool moments here and there. Yeah, for me, probably my two coolest. I went to J- a Jason Nix walk off against the Blue Jays. That was definitely ra- random player Jason Nix. But I remember him. And That's then, the guy you always want to remember. Yep. And then, but obviously for me the coolest was, uh, so I actually, summer 2019, I had an internship in London. And as my 21st birthday gift, my grandma got me tickets to the Yankees-Red Sox-London game, the 17-13 oh, thir- awesome. game. And that was tremendous. In London, they don't cut you off after the seventh inning, so it's just very easy to get rowdy there. And plus, I was bantering with a Red Sox fan. And eventually I dropped a C-bomb, and the, oh. and the person in front of me, because uh, we were talking about Jacoby Ellsbury, and that's, that's where the C-bomb became, and we agreed that that's where Jacoby Ellsbury is. And the person in front of me got mad at me because he's there with his daughter. You know, I try to apologize, but the Red Sox fan next to me was like, don't apologize, and says, you bring your daughter to a Yankees-Red Sox game, and you expect to hear no cursing? And like, I, I, almost, I caused the two of them to get in a fight. Yikes. Yeah, that's that's something. But yeah, that game was uh, very wild. I remember that clear as day. That was yeah, that was by far the coolest baseball experience. That's actually how I got into the short porch. Was that internship in London? Was I would I would pretend I'm healthy, walk three miles to work every day, and it's, you know I'd listen on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, a part of my take. Uh, and actually, then I was trying to get more in the podcast. And then one day I'm sitting at the airport, uh, I'm traveling that week, and I see suggest a few short porch. I'm like, that has to do with the Yankees, doesn't it? And it was nice for me, especially because when I'm there, the Yankees wouldn't start their games until midnight, 1 o'clock. So I'm also not able to watch the game. So it was nice having the short porch to be updated with the Yankees and you know, just know what's going on and in the loop. Because I remember freaking out during that trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. that's cool, though. You never know like when, when, when and where people are listening to the show. Mm-hmm. You think like you have an audience of like five people, and then you find out they're all over the world. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, so yeah, I appreciate listening for sure. Of course, I appreciate, you know, that's one of the reasons I got in the podcast in the begin with. Well, 
And then also with our talking, so I don't know if you guys, you know, like there's you, Jared, White Sox, Dave, John Boy, a lot of people in John Boy Media. Do you guys actually realize how big you are for growing the game? I remember Nick Swisher actually said that to you when you guys were interviewing him. Because we know Rob Manfred will do everything in his power to make sure that the game doesn't increase in popularity. But you guys, like, I think baseball Twitter's the best sports Twitter there is out there. And a big reason it is you guys. So I, I can't remember find the word for it, but do you feel like a responsibility or, or something about that? Not really. I just tweet. I just, <laughs> I just tweet, watch the games, my honest reaction. Sometimes they're good tweets, sometimes they're bad. Uh, but uh, no, I, uh, I, I don't feel that responsibility. Uh, obviously, I, you know, we all have a cool amount of followers, which is we have too many followers. Um, what we talk about all the stupid things we talk about, but um, <laughs> it's a great job, and I love baseball. And you know, I just I feel like baseball just doesn't have um, the people who have higher up jobs like an ESPN or whatever. They just don't have a passion for it. Like, mm-hmm. like anytime you're watching Sunday Night Baseball, and it's like they're trying to all tell you like why the game sucks rather than why it's awesome. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, we're we, that's what we're doing is because we're truly passionate about the sport. So like, whenever you hear from us on Twitter, or whatever, we're so passionate about baseball, we care about it more than anything in the world. So I figure, I hope, I just hope. Hoping it be more people like that. And, you know, if it's anyone who's seeing our tweets that gets more passion because of us, then that's awesome. You know, I just want the you want the game to grow and you want you know the younger generation to get more into it. So hopefully by us doing that, we're still kind of relatively young. I, I just I'm 27 <laughs> now. So it's terrifying to say, but um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the goal is to get the younger generation and the younger generation before that, before that, uh, into it, and then you know make the game as popular as possible. So whatever we can do to help. That's where you're for. Absolutely, because there's no team I'm more passionate about than my Yankees. I think I probably watched like 55 of the 60 games this year. I may have missed a couple, but that's definitely one team I'm very entertained about. And uh, you, you, you know, you're talking about some of the, you know, with all the dumps that some, uh, some of the stuff you guys say. That's uh, why, why you guys are followers. You know, I, I obviously I listen to a lot of the short porch. I listen to Barstool Bench Mob. And the shit that comes out of Marty Mush's mouth is, mouth is ridiculous. Like, how do you, like, stay on topic and stay serious with that? Because, I mean, the question about, I know we asked some bench mob, but the monkey or going to prison with your best friend, it's just hilarious. Yeah, he's something. He, you truly just never know what he's going to say. We interview Clint Frazier. I'm just thinking of nicknames whatever, and he just comes out hammer bag and yep. such a funny clip because Clint just, just starts dying laughing he goes hammer bag what is that and then we might end up making t-shirts about it and hopefully it sticks or whatever but like you just <laughs> never know what's going to come out of that man's mouth but yeah he's great I'm happy to have him on as a third third chair of the show um, he brings a very interesting dynamic to, to interviews that I really like I've been, I was pulling for it I was happy he was willing to come on um, as a, f- a full-time host and all that so because he's a very busy dude mm-hmm. um, but yeah Marty's great I, uh, I I never worry about anything he's gonna say it's always gonna be entertaining yeah, absolutely uh, so I guess we'll move on a bit from uh, from baseball just a quick t- talk what went wrong with the Packers on Sunday and you know I was gonna ask was that Aaron Rodgers last game it seems like they cleared that up but I just want to get your thoughts what went wrong is a lot of things mm-hmm. um Terrible defensive game plan in the first half. They seemed to nail things down in the second half. And Tom Brady might have done a lot of helping there. Uh, we're talking making some terrible passes that Jair had no problem picking off. But, I mean, their defense is just always going to be the, their weakness. Um, they don't address it in any drafts um, in the recent years. Um, yeah, people are always like, oh, why didn't they draft a receiver? You know, they drafted Jordan Love. I would have just been fine with them drafting defense, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, some linebackers or corners, whatever. They just did none of that. Um, 
And in the second half, it was a, it was a, the Packers have been accustomed to losing in just terrible ways in the playoffs. So, you know, they always get there, mm-hmm. uh, but they always lose in just gut wrenching ways. Whether it's fourth and twenty six against the Eagles with Freddie Mitchell, or oh. it's um, that wild card game against the the Cardinals and Carson Palmer, where Rodgers got strip sacked in OT and he was clearly mm-hmm. face masked, and it was just a ridiculous penalty that wasn't called. Or you know, they play the Cardinals again that hail mary game, uh-huh. and then they lose that no team. Delaire Fitzgerald just running seventy five yards on a screen pass, or uh, the Niners or Kaepernick ripping ripping my heart out, just stomping on it, not even having a chance in those games. The Falcons destroying them. Seahawks, um, the onside Seahawks, kick. Uh, Brian, yeah, the Brandon Bostick's onside kick redrops. It's just like they find different ways to kill you. But this was different because they, the Packers defense, made stops in the fourth quarter in a one possession game, and Aaron Rodgers had the ball mm-hmm. two times. Following turnovers, down five, and it was a three and out both times. Um, and I just never seen that before. That's it was a different way to lose a Packers playoff game where it came, Rodgers had the game in his hands and he just didn't come through. And he had a good game. Um, he could have played better in that second half, no doubt. Um, and obviously, there's the uh, kicking the field goal on fourth down. And you know, should Rodgers have ran on third down? Would he have gotten the end zone? Probably not. But he probably gets close enough where it's a no brainer to go for it on fourth down rather from the eight, even though it still should have been a no-brainer. But um, there's just a lot. A lot went wrong. The Bucks tried all their all their might to give it to the Packers. The Packers just didn't want to get it, um, and it sucks. And Aaron Jones had a bad game. There's a lot, a lot of bad uh, in that game. Is it Rodgers' last game? I've never thought so. Uh, from the, Even before he made the comments um, mm-hmm. afterwards on the Pat McAfee show, like clearing it up, I still didn't. I was just like, this guy's – the way the salary is constructed – That, yeah. And uh, unless I do think they're going to restructure it so that he stays, you know, and he's, he's happier and all that. But the current way the salary is constructed, they can't trade him. And, like, it's just not it's not going to happen. If the salary stays the way it is, this is probably his upcoming last season. Mm-hmm. If it gets restructured, which it should, and you get more guaranteed money down the road um, and reduce the cap hit, then obviously he can he's going to stay for two to three more years. And he should. He just won the MVP. Uh, but right now, I don't see any scenario where he's leaving – Unless he truly like makes a trade demand, which just don't see coming based mm-hmm. off his recent comments, um, you know the NFL people the rumors will happen. But yeah, I, the, at the end of the day, I just, I would be shocked. I don't see it happening. I'm with Tommy. I want him to be the Giants QB badly. But uh, just uh, yeah. Well, that would be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it? It would be nice if we can have anyone yeah, but Daniel fucking, Jones. I'm sure you'd really rather Aaron Rodgers be, be your quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really nice. That's also a part of it too. Is that if they traded him. Jordan Love is nowhere near ready, and Tim Boyle went to UConn. So it's like they're not, they don't have a guy to just step in, and it's like, well, you're still paying Devontae Adams, so are you just going to waste Devontae Adams the rest of his career? No. So you're going to keep Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to try to get like two to three more years in this window. No one in the NFC is like going to run away with the NFC moving forward. You know, it's like yeah. the Seahawks are just getting worse. No one in the NFC East is competent. Um, uh, the Saints are losing Drew Brees, even though I didn't really you know. Brady's at some point going to start being a bad quarterback, or at least like he's he's not getting better. So like <laughs> it's still going to be like there's if they just roll this team in the next year and draft a few guys, sign a few guys if they can, you know, find some cap flexibility. It's still going to be really good. The window isn't closed whatsoever. They move they'll move on from Aaron Jones, they'll move on from Jamal Williams, they'll move on from. I would really like for them to bring back Corey Lindsley, who I think he'll end up on the Giants or the Jets. That's the dude who's going to get paid, and he's awesome. Um, that's a guy I'm terrified of losing. Aaron Jones as well is going to get paid by the Giants or Jets, all these teams with cap. Um, but the core of the team is staying. Um, and 
they really got screwed also by Bakhtiari being yeah. hurt because that really JPP took advantage of that, and you know they were, and, and coinciding that Rick Wagner on the right side was getting taken advantage as well. So you know it was the first time really all year that Rogers got knocked on his ass. Um, he didn't have this time you know that he was accustomed to, and I thought they were going to be able to hold up. That Bucks D line is just really good. That's what it comes down to. It's going to give Mahomes problems too. I'm not sure Mahomes will figure it out because he's Mahomes. Um, but that all line was really like I thought at the end of the day when looking back at everything. The game changed because the Bucks defense was able to create a pass rush against the Packers offensive line, which really hadn't happened all year long. Um, so that that going back to the original point, what went wrong? The offensive line yeah. just just wasn't there, and it's not to their fault. David Bakhtiari is an All Pro, mm-hmm. All NFL player. You know, you lose that type of guy, it's very tough to replace that good of a player. Um, so a lot went wrong, and yeah, that that's really it. Uh, that definitely, you know, Batiari, great left tackle, best tackle in football. You know, I, uh, you know, I don't have any fandom to these teams. I have a future on the Chiefs, but with the Packers, I felt a little emotionally tied to them because I rode Rodgers and Adams and together in one fantasy league. So, you know, I, I, I assume you won. No, I got knocked out in the semifinals because oh. because that was the Panthers game. It was the Panthers game. Tough. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that's no, why fantasy football is just a flip of a coin because. It, all it takes is one bad week from these guys. It's such awesome. It's the most bullshit thing. But yeah, uh, that's tough. Uh, one of our other teams I, I want to talk about, do you think that I know we've lost three in a row, but do you think the Knicks should at least keep this up? Because at least I'm saying, you know, as long as we have opening day start on time, just keep me entertained and keep, yeah. you know, keep me into the team until baseball starts. Yeah, I tweeted this, like, I want to say two weeks ago. It was the night I think they lost to the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were road favorite there. Um, they lost by, like, two or three or whatever. And yep. I was like, hey, you know what? Knicks were good enough to keep me interested until the end. I think that day they signed Kluber. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, the Knicks were just good enough in the offseason to keep me excited um, and, you know, sane until the Yankees offseason started happening and then I can get ready for spring training. But, like, you know, they're they're continuously going to be competitive and good enough to watch, which is just yeah. such a plus. It's been it's so unwatchable like, hey, the last hey, few the years. the Knicks are playing tonight. We're going to watch. And they're going to play some good basketball. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to try on defense more than they ever had. Quickly's awesome to watch. Yep. Um, RJ's really taken a big jump. It's nice to see. He's actually just a really consistent player now, and the free throw percentage has gone up and all that. Um, Randall's awesome. You know, Mitch has, has good games here and there. Alec Burks is, is lights out. You know, you just wish Obi was a competent NBA player, which he's just not. Um, who, you know, it's still super early, and RJ was really bad last year, so let's give him some time. Um, but, you know, so far, not a great start. But I the want thing to... is, though, they're just watchable. Are they going to make the playoffs probably not mm-hmm. um and you know anytime i say something like that i'm just saying it kind of sarcastically like i realize they're not a very good team yeah but they're at least watchable right now um and they have they're moving in the right direction rather than the opposite direction like emmanuel quickly he's gaining respect from a lot of people and the way he can draw fouls gets the line the way he just moves the ball is nice there's still plenty of pieces away but they're starting to actually gather pieces rather than just miss on things entirely um so it's exciting it's promising and it's cool to watch. Yeah, they're moving in the right direction. That's the biggest thing because I like at my time at, at my time at school, I wasn't going out of my way to stream Knicks games the way I was going out of my way to stream Yankees or stream Giants right. games because they were just so unwatchable. Yeah. Uh, just uh, one quick thing before my final question. I know, like, so yeah. w- one of my friends who I told I was interviewing wanted me to let you know this. He's in the point oh oh five percent of Chelsea Cutler fans. Like, I know I'm not a personal listener of her. I don't dislike her. Just. Never got into her, but I remember you were wondering who was higher than you, and one of my friends is. I think, yeah. I, th- I want to say that's what my number was. 
I think I was .005. Someone was .001 that beat me. I was furious at that person. <laughs> um, she just downloaded, She just donated to the Barstool Fund. That was very cool. I, I, I saw that. Fun. So that was cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm a, oddly, like, I'm one of the, her bigger fans. People don't really understand why, but I don't know. When I'm blogging or whatever, I'm listening to her usually. It keeps me in the zone. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, actually, before I get to my final question, then I do want to say the Barstool Fund, it's amazing what you guys are doing. I love what Dave is doing. Actually, one of my friends, uh, she, like, She's, she loves Barstool, but she's always told me she's never been the biggest Dave person. And Dave, like, his stance on Robin Hood and especially the Barstool fun is she's completely flipped. And now all of a sudden she's, she loves Dave. I'm like, oh, yeah, what he's doing is just amazing. What all you guys are doing is amazing, especially what you guys did in Michigan this past weekend. It truly was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been very – it's just a proud moment to work for the company uh, last couple of months uh, doing this stuff. It's very, very mm-hmm. cool. Happy to help. Happy to see businesses stay afloat that were just going to normally die and be left out in the dust by the government and all that. So it's, it's very, very cool to see what Dave and everybody's done. Yeah, especially, like, you know, I, I see on your stories, you know, you go out in Hoboken a lot. That's There's a lot of these small businesses and bars out here. So yeah. it's very, like, very nice, you know, knowing that Dave and everyone and you guys are all supporting them. Are you in Hoboken? Uh, so West New York, but I've been going out in Hoboken. I was at the, oh, okay. I was at the Shannon this past weekend. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I frequent Green Rock a lot. I love uh, I love Green Rock. That's my spot. I, I haven't been there yet. I definitely. Oh, you got to make it out there. That place is fantastic. I definitely do want to go check it out. We were. I was going to get a reservation for the divisional round, but it was like sold out a week in advance. So. Well, now that you they just I don't think they do reservations anymore. I think you just you just go in and watch games or whatever. They have separate tables or whatever. But yeah, it's a it's a really good spot. They're pretty safe about everything. So it's if you're looking for a little taste of reality, still nice mm-hmm. nice spot to check out. That's awesome. And uh, just the last question, are we winning the World Series this year? We better, man. I mean, every year I'm going to say that. But Me too. Yeah, you know, everyone, uh, everyone in the American League got worse. Uh, the Astros, obviously, uh, they're going to be without Verlander, and obviously Springer's now in Toronto. Well, Toronto got better. That's the yeah. only team. And the, White, like, Sox, and the but White Sox, but they have LaRusso. Like, I don't trust LaRusso as a manager, to be honest. Yeah, the White Sox are, are coming. I don't know if they're here just yet, um, but yeah, obviously they're not going away. Mm-hmm. They're just going to keep adding. Um Certainly a team to be worried about, but not like, uh, you know, when the, the Rays and the Astros were at their peak going into the year, it's like, well, that's the team to beat or whatever. The Rays got much worse losing Morton and Snell and Alvarado. Um, ginormous pieces to replace. I'm sure they have young guys coming up. You know, obviously they do. Um, Markel Franco. Super- yeah, they have Fr- Franco's going to be a problem, but he doesn't pitch. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what they do with pitching and all that. So. Um, yeah, but then, you know, the, the Indians obviously got so much worse. They're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball this year. Um, <laughs> and the West, um, the Angels will continue to disappoint and all that. And the yep. Astros just aren't as good. And, you know, so at the end of the day, by addition by subtraction, the Yankees added a few nice pieces. Yeah, the Yankees should be in the World Series, as they say, every single year. But, you know, it's a, it's a crapshoot. It's a luck of the draw. The best team doesn't make it every year, as clearly, because the Yankees have had some really, like, that team in – 2017. Uh, the team in 2019 just should have been in the World Series. Yeah. The team was so good from start to finish. Had like you know similarities of like the 09 team a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just so dominant. And I feel like you look back at that team and be like, how did they not win it all? Like what happened here? Um, you know the 2017 team. They were almost too young. It was a great team. It was such a fun team. They weren't hateable at all. That, from a post, like, like people would have lost their minds if they won because they're like, wait, none of these guys are like true hateable Yankees. Like mm-hmm. these guys are just all young dudes who like got good really fast and they're just a true team. Twenty eighteen was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just never. It yeah, just, ne- never felt right. We were the most unhappy one hundred win fan base of all time that year. Yeah, 
completely. Like, just so unlikable for some reason. Obviously, Yankee fans like their team, but but it's just like you can just tell throughout the year, this just isn't it. Yeah. But whatever. But 2019, 2017, just one of those teams that, mathematically should have made the World Series. That, that, that Gary Sanchez doubles, one of my favorite plays yeah. in Yankee history. The, just, that, the way yeah, the, the stadium erupted. Wa- yeah, that's wasted in 2017. And so is the DJ Homer, the game time Homer oh. in 2019 in Game Six. Both of those moments feel like those are moments part of the World Series run. Mm-hmm. They just weren't. It's just like something was wrong with the matrix in the world that like it didn't get there. So hopefully 2021 is the year to it all turns around. Hopefully Severino comes back in the summer and is cooking. Um, Kluber hopefully just stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Ty and they have these guys that just they, they feel like they're the right pieces. Um, and obviously you need health um, with Judge and Stanton and all these guys. Um, and it's nice to see them hitting all, you know, and you're bringing DG back and, you know, hopefully Glaber. I, I think Glaber will have a big time bounce back here. Um, so, yeah, they have all the pieces to just be there and, and, and be in the World Series. So hopefully they put it all together. I keep begging every single year. So, me, me too. Um, me too. Yeah. Same but, as same yeah, with the po- But, yeah, I think they'll win the World Series. Yes, is my prediction. Me too. Anyways, Hobbs, thanks so much for coming on, man. Again, I really appreciate it, especially, like I said, you, Tommy, Big Cap, a lot of you guys at Barstow, what got me in the podcast and begin with. So thank you. Go Yankees and let's go Knicks. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate buying the hoodie, too. I see you got the hoodie on right oh, now. Oh, when I, I saw that. this, I was like very tight on money. But for the longest time, I was debating it. I was debating it. And then finally, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm buying it. I just have to. Like for like two weeks, I was staring at it. I have this and the fucking Savages one, which... Love that. That one's two awesome. Of our, two of our best sellers I think we've ever made. So, yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate the support. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. This was, this was fun. Of course. Thanks so much, man. Take care, and let's go Yanks, baby. Absolutely, man. All right. Take it away. Bye. See ya. And that was Eric Hubbs. You know, he works for Barstool Sports. I'm a big fan of the company. One of the best companies there is out there. Some of the best content. Like, listen, I'm a stoolie. I can't, I can't deny it. Uh, like I, said, I, I said this on the first episode that, the short portion part of my take, the Barstool podcast, what really got me into it. So, yeah, I intake a lot of Barstool. But also, I mean, it was just awesome having someone who got me into podcasting on the podcast. Someone who, you know, I've, you know, so, so just being, being one of the inspirations for me getting into a podcast, it really was just amazing. And, yeah, I'm hoping to continue growing the bird's eye view because I've had a ton of fun doing it. That was definitely my favorite interview I've had so far, even though I had Dominic Hickson on, that one was just so much fun. Let's move on now. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA since we touched on the Knicks, who they lost to the Jazz. They had an amazing first half in control of the game. Austin Rivers is 10 of 10, 5 of 5 from downtown. And then the second half happens, as it does with the Knicks. And the defense was horrible. Our shots couldn't fall. Royce O'Neal was getting hot. Royce O'Neal was getting hot. Not Donovan Mitchell. We held him to 9 points on 3 of 15 shooting. But Royce O'Neal was hitting everything. We couldn't stop Rudy Gorbear inside. And, yeah, it was just a, just a tough loss for the Knicks. You know, I went on Barstool Radio and said, I value, you know, you might want to take him the win. But, you know, that was just more of a value pick. Uh, it kind of sucks that they lost, but, hey. The Jazz are hot right now. We're still the last team to beat them, so, you know, can't, can't be too hard about a loss to the Jazz. And like I said with Hubs, I mean, at the end of the day, this team is not a playoff team, but I'm going to have fun with them. They're watchable for the first time since, like, maybe freshman year of college. 
uh, else in the NBA, uh, I, you know, best game I saw all week was Tobias Harris hitting the game winner to send the Lakers to their first ever road loss. Because I just recorded three days ago, I'm going to do no hot or not. No, no hot. No, excuse me. I'm not going to do who's hot, who's not for the NBA. But I'm, I wanna, the way I'm going to start doing it is on Tuesday's show, I'll do who's hot, who is not for the NBA. Or I'll do who's hot, who is not for college basketball on Thursday's show. Uh, All-Star voting opened today, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, or maybe I'll give my ballot on the next show. We'll see. And speaking of the All-Star game, this day in NBA history was the first All-Star Saturday night, including the first ever dunk contest. You know who won that? Larry Nance Sr. That's right, the father of Larry Nance, who currently plays for the Cavs. Not only did he win, but he beat two of the most well-known dunkers in NBA history in Dominique Wilkins and Dr. J. Moving on to the NFL. So I'm not going to, you know, this will be the quickest NFL segment we've had Really, since the preseason, uh, just really the biggest news was Texans, they hire David Coley. Never heard of this dude. Didn't even know he interviewed for the head coaching position. Uh, you know, apparently, he's the Ravens wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator. Them, but they're such great passing game, right? <laughs> I mean, what was this hire? I, I truly don't understand. What the hell the Ravens were, or the, excuse me, the Texans were do, thinking with this hire? Just because he was an assistant coach? <laughs> That's not impressive at all. And yeah, because of that, I mean, it wasn't because of it. He already did it a couple weeks ago. But Watson has officially requested the trade. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they, let's just see where Watson goes at this point. There's a ton of speculation, as there was speculation that you should short GameStop. So, you know, don't listen to speculation if that's told you anything. I know, I could talk stock market. I mean, this whole thing is just crazy, what's going on right now. And, just, yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't really make any sense, but, you know, it's kind of, kind of fucked. But, hey, uh, you know, the, the, one, the rich, they're going to get their way. That's just how it works. You know, while us, while us the little guys, we got to work. We got to work to make our money. And, you know, you know we, we can't catch a break in the stock market because, when the, when the little guys try to win the stock market at the expense of the rich, it's a big deal. But when it's vice versa, it's bullshit. It's, when, it's, when it's vice versa, it's, it's how it works. Uh, what else? Oh, if you look out, so I guess it's I'm recording at night. But I hope everyone looked outside tonight and saw this gigantic moon. I don't know what it's called. Something like a bull moon or something. Uh, what is the moon tonight? Uh, it's a wolf moon is what it's called. That's why, yeah, I don't know why it's called a wolf moon, but it's very, very big and it's huge. All right, we're going to get into our last segment called Soccer in 90. Where the way I'm going to do, I'm going to switch up a bit this time and do a bit of an English accent. We start off with Manchester City. They hammer West Bromwich 5-0 to zero on Tuesday to slide in the first place on the table ahead of Manchester United. Now, it looked like the Manchester United would slide right back in the first place uh, or, uh, when they had a matchup against Sheffield United, who is a one-win team and last place in the Premier League at the moment. However, Manchester United at home inexplicitly lost this game to these bloody hills from Sheffield United, who just got their second win of the season. 
All right, Moy, I don't even know that accent. I'm trying to go Australian now. Maybe that will help me. But uh, Liverpool, they won a thrilling game over Tottenham today. Uh, Sadio, Sadio Mane hit an unreal goal to extend a 3-1 lead off a beautiful pass. The games this weekend in the Premier League include Arsenal versus Manchester United and Leicester City versus Leeds. We have other big games outside of England as we have Rainbow Leipzig versus Bayer Leverkusen. These two teams are in second and third place, respectively, in the Bundesliga. You know, uh, Leipzig still is three points ahead of Bayer Leverkusen. However, a win by Bayer Leverkusen puts these teams into a second-place tie. And we have Atletico Madrid still trying to extend their lead in the La Liga over Real Madrid and Barcelona in Spain. That is about it for my 90 seconds of soccer. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day, lads. And now back to Jaybird. Yeah, I'll be honest, guys. I have no idea what that was there. I was trying to do a British accent thing for soccer. You know, seeing us switch it up a little, add some humor into it. Honestly, I might just keep it because it's pretty stupidly entertaining. And I hope the listeners like it. But uh, that's my show. I, again, I want to thank Eric Hubs for coming on. It was awesome to have him on. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank everybody who's supporting my podcast thus far. Remember, for all my live reaction to games, go check out Jay Bird's Eye View on Twitter. For all the latest updates of when I'm dropping episodes, follow the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day. I want to add a little disclaimer at the end. I was unable to use the birds, uh, the bird flu intro for some reason. I'm not really sure why. It just it was not working for me. Was not able to find find it in my show media in my show media browser. So hopefully this will be fixed by next time I record.